can turn your Bibles to 2 Kings chapter 6. I would imagine that uh, most everyone has read this passage or part of this passage of Scripture. We all know of Elisha, the mighty man of God that Elisha was, and how God used him to do some great and mighty things. And uh going to throw a few things at you. And I, I have a lot here. I, I think I can get through it all if I don't get tied down on something. I'm going to try not to. But um, we'll, we'll just go ahead and begin reading, and and <clears throat> I'll give a bit of an introduction afterwards. And Second Kings chapter six verse one. And the sons of the prophets said unto Elisha, Behold, now the place where we dwell with thee is too straight for us. Let us go, we pray thee, unto Jordan, and take thence every man a beam, and let us make a place there where we may dwell. And he answered, Go ye. And one said, Be content, I pray thee, and go with thy servants. And he answered, that is Elisha, I will go. He went with them, and when they came to Jordan, they cut down wood. But as one was felling a beam, the axe head fell into the water, and he cried and said, Alas, master, for it was borrowed. And the man of God said, Where fell it? And he showed him the place, and he cut down a stick and cast it in thither, and the iron did swim. Therefore said he, Take it up to thee, and he put out his hand and took it. I want to say, by way of introduction, I want to give you just a, a smidge of history here so we can lay the foundation. We just read this passage. We realized that these people said, hey, we, this place is too straight for us. Let us go, and we're going to build a place. And uh, said, so we want to go. And he said, well, go. Elisha said, go. And one man said unto Elisha, as we saw there in verse 3, he said, but I, I pray thee that you come with us. And Elisha answered him and said, okay, I will go. And he did go. And we read in the scripture where when they got down there, they began to, to cut down some trees to build this facility. And uh, when he was doing this, the axe head fell off and it flung in the river. Bible tells us they were going to Jordan. And so it went in the river and he goes to the man of God and said, my axe head's in the river. And the man of God cut down a stick and he threw it in the water and the axe head swam out. That's, that's the story, I'm telling you. Anybody else tell me that story, I call him a liar. But we know that God is not a liar. And we know that anything is possible with God. And we're going to get into this and we're going to dig around. But what I wanted to tell you by way of introduction, if we go to verse 1, And the sons of the prophet said unto Elisha, Behold, now the place where we dwell with thee is too straight for us. Now I want to understand, let's get in the context of the scripture, that large crowds were in Second Kings chapter 6. And so large crowds followed Elisha. He was a mighty man of God. He did some mighty things. And everywhere he went, crowds began to gather. Why? Because they wanted to see the things that Elisha was doing. So these large crowds came. Now, I want to note that they are in Gilgal. If you look over there in chapter 4, verse 38, I believe it was, and it says, And Elisha came again to Gilgal. 
And that's where this whole thing kind of begins. They're in Gilgal currently. Okay, I know they don't mean anything to you, but they're in Gilgal. And these men in verse 1 of chapter 6 said, Elisha, you know this crowd. You know these people that have come. If you will, if you'll just let your mind go with me for a minute, this house of God that we're worshiping, Pastor, is too small for us. This crowd's grown too much. And they said, Preacher, we need to build a new building. Said, so we want to build it down here at Jordan. What is the picture of Jordan? You all know what the picture of Jordan is. It's that place. It's that godly place. He said, let us go down here to Jordan and let us build this tabernacle or let us build this um, children's ministry or let us build this Christian school or let us. And, and Elisha said, go. Yeah, I think that's great. And they said, oh, but preacher, we, we want you to come with us. They said they prayed unto him. So we want you to go with him. And he said, yes, I will go. In verse 1, the place that is too straight for us, the last four words, too straight for us, that is too small for us. They had outgrown this house of worship, if you will. And so they wanted to go. The place became, became too small. They wanted to grow their ministry. So they said, we're going to take this beam. We're going to take lumber with us. We're going to go and we're going to build. They had a vision. There's a whole nother story. There's a whole nother lesson to be taught to the people of God wanting to expand the ministry. What a great lesson here. I read behind Matthew Henry in verse 1 and 2, and oh Lord, he just had a whole pile of stuff. And, and there's a whole nother lesson, and it certainly wouldn't be appropriate for me, but uh, maybe in some pastor's conference, he, Matthew Henry spoke of, man, how the men of God ought to realize what God is doing and follow the people. Boy, I mean, it was beautiful, Pastor. It just, it was beautiful how the man of God said, oh, that's not today's lesson. We're going to read on. So we, we've read this whole seven verses and we got the story, right? They're going to build. Axe head flies off, lands in the water, and then it swims out. We got that. This man went down there in the ministry. I, I'm in introduction. I'm trying to build this. I'm trying to get you into my state of mind. And he's down there working in the ministry and he is cutting down a tree, that tree by the river of waters and the axe head flung off. He lost his axe head. One might say, Curdy lost his cutting edge. And I want to note that this was not a drug addict. This was not a drunkard. This was not a prostitute. This was not a murder. This was not a thief. This was not a robber. This was not a leopard man. This was a man in the ministry. This was a, this was a man building the house of God. He was with the godliest man that ever walked the face of the earth. He was working. He was laboring. He was on the front row. He was, he was in Sunday school every morning. He, he came to prayer meeting on Wednesday night and, and he went with the pastor to knock on doors and, and Kurt, he was the guy that went to the Bible study on Saturday. And this was the guy that told people about Christ at, at the workplace on break time. And, and this was the guy, pastor, that was serving God every day of his life. Yet he lost his cutting edge. His axe head flung off. And I want to talk to you this morning, so appropriate to the people that even come to Sunday school. If you're not careful, you'll lose your cutting edge while serving God. You'll lose it. You'll lose your axe head. 
Number one, let's look at verse five. Point number one, I want you to note the reaction. Second Kings chapter six and verse five. But as one was felling a beam, but as he was teaching Sunday school or as he was witnessing, if you will, the axe head, his cutting edge fell into the water. And here comes the point number one reaction. And he cried. I got to hurry. I got four points. I, I could, I, I, before the Lord, I could spend 40 minutes right here. But I'm not going to. I want to take five, six minutes. I want you to note his reaction. Subpoint number one, he cried. What is he cried a picture of? I'm going to give you it. This is what he cried means. It means he had a broken spirit. And if you're not careful, people, Christians that serve God every day and make it to Sunday school, you know, we've got two-thirds more of a crowd probably coming this morning. You get that? There's only a third of you here, and, I, and that's okay. But I'm just saying, I want, I want to talk to you this morning. As, as you're in Sunday school and serving Christ, we need to make sure that we have a reaction when we lose our cutting edge that we are of a broken spirit. There's a whole lot of people, and I'm not a careful preacher. Instead of teaching a lesson, I'd be preaching. But you mean to tell you why some of the people are not where they're supposed to be this morning or tonight or Wednesday or even where else they're supposed to be during the week? You mean to tell you why? It's because they're losing their cutting edge and they don't even have a broken spirit about it. You think about that. That is why the murderer went and shot the person. That's why they stabbed somebody six times, because they have no broken spirit. And if you're not careful while you're cutting down a beam, while you are sawing down a tree for the sake of Christ, if you are not careful, if you don't keep your broken spirit, you will lose your cutting edge. But this guy, he had a broken spirit. God's word literally says, and he cried. He cried out a broken spirit. Some of the Christians' problems of this day and time are they are not broken over sin. And that's why sin is just mounding up in this world. It's not, Pastor, because of the lost people in this world. It's because the saved people have lost their cutting edge and they're not even broken anymore over sin. If I were a preacher, I'd start calling these sins out. I'm not going to do that. You know what the sins of this world are. But the house of God, Kurt, is not broken over the sins of this world anymore. Because you lose your cutting edge. Not only in this reaction do we see that he cried, but look at the next few words there. And he cried and said, Alas, Master. If you look that word alas up in the Greek language, you get one of them words about that long, it's got upside down letters and all, and I don't, I don't know those. But I do know what it means because I looked it up. It is two things, grief or repentance. Grief or repentance, alas. Oh, I'm sorry. Alas, Master. Oh, God, I'm sorry. That's what he said to his master. He was speaking here to the man of God. 
The other part of this, this reaction, is so many people this day and time are not repentant over it. Not only are they sorry, not only do they have a broken spirit towards sin, but they don't repent towards sin. They don't come to the altar. I can remember many, many years ago and I can remember the, the conviction and the power of God would fall so heavy upon souls here in this, this, uh, tabernacle and there's so many others that we visited. I would see and witness the power of God and I would see people come, preacher, and they'd fall in the altar and they'd cry and beg God for repentance, forgiveness of their sins. We're talking about a cutting edge this morning. I must move on. I have something else I'm going to look at. I'm going to try to be brief on this. Like I said, I, I could teach a whole lesson in verse 5. It'd be very easy. We're looking at the reaction of losing our cutting edge. We see here that he cried. A broken spirit. We see, alas, that form of repentance. And then there's one other thing here. Look at those last four words in verse 5. For it was borrowed. It was borrowed. He borrowed this accent. My daddy always told me, if you borrow something from somebody, you make sure you take it back when you're supposed to take it back and you make sure it's in as good a condition it was when you borrowed it. And yet this man, we see a broken spirit. We see repentance for that he has lost his axe head. He has lost his cutting edge. And not only has he lost his cutting edge, but it was someone else's curse. That makes it worse. I had a man the other day in another state tell me I could borrow his tractor. And I said, no, thank you. Because you done wore it out for 10 years and it's going to break when I get on it. I don't want to fix it. But this thing was borrowed, and I, I, I thought on this, and then it just dawned on me that everything that we have from Him is borrowed. This life is not our own. My heart is not my own. My actions don't just uh, affect me. They affect others. I'm here to tell you that everything that God has given us is on loan. It is borrowed. And it made me to think of that old song this morning. There are things that I love and hold dear to my heart. They're just borrowed. They're not mine at all. Jesus only let me use them to brighten my life. So remind me, remind me, dear Lord, this life that God has given us is on loan. It's been borrowed. He lent it to us. Have you lost your cutting edge? This man was hewing down a tree for Christ. And his axe head came off. The reaction. Number two, I must hurry. Look with me, please. Second Kings chapter six and in verse six, we see return. We just looked at his reaction. Now I want you to look at the return. Verse six. And so the man of God said, where fell it? And he showed him the place. And he cut down a stick and cast it in thither and the iron did swim. I want to look at this. And the man of God said, Where fell it? And he showed him the place. I want to look at the return this morning. 
First thing I want to look at on this verse, this uh, point of return, I want to look at the accepted help. We know that he went to the man of God, and the man of God asked him a question. He said, where fell it? Basically, the man of God said, take me to the place. So what did the man do? Under this sub-point, he accepted the help. The man of God said, well, take me to the place. He said, okay, preacher. He accepted the help. I mean, you know, us hard-headed Christians, it's real easy for us to go, well, they ain't going to go in there. ten feet deep right there. There ain't nothing to see there, preacher. There ain't nothing to see there, God. I was cutting down a tree and it flew off. The water's muddy. It's ten feet deep. We're not going to find it. They don't need going down there. Just tell me what you want me to do. You got another one laying around here somewhere? That's not what he said, sir. He said, I'll accept this help. What do you want me to do? You know, you don't say you can lead a, a horse to the water, but you can't make him drink. You know, Christians are the same way. Us sheep, we're the same way. God tries to lead us into a place where we can get some help. But Kurt, we just, but we're so stupid. We don't accept it. I'm going to tell you something. If you find yourself losing your cutting edge, you need to accept the help that God's trying to give you. Not only do we see accepted help here underneath this return, but I want to note the acknowledge. We see the acceptance, and now I want you to see the acknowledgement. The man of God asked, where fell it? He is acknowledging not only that he lost it, but he is also acknowledging where he lost it. And that might live be the biggest key to the whole thing of regaining your cutting edge is where fell it. If you find yourself Losing the touch of God. Losing your cutting edge. If you find yourself not wanting to be faithful. If you find yourself not wanting to pray as much. If you find yourself not wanting to read the Bible like you think you should. Let me tell you what you need to do. You need to go back to the place where you lost it. And there's a whole lot of Christians. There's a whole lot of people that are always looking for in the wrong places for the right thing because they're not willing to go back to the place where they lost it. He didn't say, well, take me a hundred yards up the bank where it's shallow and let's see if it floated down there. He didn't say, well, let's go back to town and see if it fell off somewhere. He said, no, take me to the place where you lost it. If you find yourself struggling in this world, you find yourself struggling spiritually, let me, let me give you a little word of advice found in God's Word, 2 Kings chapter 6, 6. Go back to the place where you lost it. You go where you were last close to Him. You go back to the condition that you were in when you were closest to Him. You need to go back to the place. Not only do we see acceptance, not only do we see acknowledgement, but I want to, us to look here and see that he admitted the admittance, if you will. And that was, and he showed him the very place. One of the problems that a lot of people 
can never get back to that having that cutting edge. Let me tell you why. Because they're not willing to admit. You must admit to your failure. I, having helped some, you know, it's funny how God has put me close to addicts four or five different times in my life, very closely related. And, and, and so having been there because God put me in that place trying to help these people, I, amidst this reformation, if you will, that they've all pastor got to admit. And those counselors will go in with the person and they will dig and they will search and they, I mean, they get so far into these people's hearts and in their minds and they find out that one thing that is driving them to that addiction. I've watched it. I've listened to it. I've experienced it firsthand. I know what I'm talking about. And that person must first admit before healing will ever be brought about. Oftentimes, it's not something that they're admitting that they have done. It's not to a fault of their own, but they must admit what someone else has done. I've seen this. I know what I'm talking about. There's got to be some admittance. We see the acceptance. We see the acknowledgement. We see this admitted he showed him the very place i want to encourage you this morning if you find yourself you've lost your cutting edge you have lost your axe head as the scripture said you need to go back to the place where you lost don't look in the wrong spot i lost my keys key fob there's no such thing as keys anymore i lost my key fob and i do this every night i have a pocket knife in my key fob, and I put it in the same spot every night. Well, I got up Thursday morning from having been at church Wednesday night, and I went to grab, and only my pocket knife was there. I thought, that dead blame woman has done something with my keys. At 5.50 in the morning. And I tore that house apart. I was trying to think where I went last. Oh, it was Tuesday night. We went to that Monday night. Good Lord, I don't know what it was. Anyway, I'm too old. But I went to her car because I drove her car and I looked in her car and it's dark and I'm getting ill and I'm frustrated. But I had to go back to the place where I last had them and I found them. It had nothing to do with her. Clear that up. We're speaking this morning on losing our cutting edge. We looked at his reaction. We looked at his return. Number three, I want to look at the remedy. When we lose our cutting edge. So we find in verse 6. And the man of God said where fell. And he said take him to the place. And he. Once they got to the place. I want to know. There ain't going to be no healing. Until you get back to the place. Got to get to the place. And he cut down a stick. This is the man of God. Elisha. And he cut down a stick. And he cast it in thither. And the iron or the axe head did swim. He cut down a stick and he cast it. We're talking about the remedy. I want to look at number one sub point here. I want to look at the method underneath the room. Let's look at the method. What was this method? Cut down a stick. What kind of method is that? I mean, I, give me a magnet. Uh, give me a rope. Uh, go to the preacher's house and get his goggles and his flippers. I'm sorry I painted that picture for you. It's the worst thing I've ever seen in my life. 
Worst thing I've ever seen in my life. Go get his flippers and his... He's got this. Get near him with no water. You'll never listen to him. And get me the preacher's flippers and his goggles and, and let me go there swimming and find us. And what's it the method? Dam the river up in front of it and let it roll dry. I don't know, but instead the method was cut a stick off and throw it in the water. That was the method. What kind of method is that? It's an unlikely method. It's an unlikely method. And I'm trying to say this when I say this. You might be surprised what God will use to bring about this evil in your life. We're always looking for counseling. We're looking for money. A better job. We're looking for a better church. We're looking for a nicer car. We're looking for a better school for our children. We look for this. But I'm going to tell you something. The method, God's method, is oftentimes an unlikely method. You better put this in God's hands. You can't fix this. The, the, the chances of them finding that iron axe head in the bottom of a muddy Jordan River, no telling how deep, actually it wasn't very deep, but no telling, I'm going to tell you something, was very, very unlikely. But we must give this remedy to God and let God fix our we spend so much time trying to fix our own problems, looking at the most likely methods. And I'm going to tell you something. Sometimes we just got to turn and give it over to God and let His unlikely method fix our problems. It was an unlikely method. You might be surprised what God will use. I've seen God use some strange things in this ministry to get His point across. A stick in the water. It's an unlikely method. Not only underneath the remedy do we want to note the method, but I want to note the miracle. And he cut down a stick and he cast it in thither and the iron did swim. Okay, I'm going to go out on a limb here and I'm going to assume that I know the answer to this question. Anyone here ever seen an axe head swimming on top of the water? Nah, of course not. That's because it was a miracle. The axe head swimming only God. Only God. Your remedy won't work. Your mama's remedy won't work. Your grandma's remedy's not going to work. Daddy, your boss man, your pastor. Do y'all get what I'm trying to say? We try to spend so much time creating our own miracles. We won't let God perform a miracle in our life. Let Him he can make an axe head swim. We're talking about losing our cutting edge while in the ministry. Again, this little lesson is not for the lost. It's for those that make it to Sunday school. Chopping down a tree. They're trying to build another tabernacle for Christ. The one they had was too small. It was too straight for us, they said. Let God heal your problems. Let God sharpen your edge, the miracle, the axe head swimming, only God. I want to say this morning that there was a, this young man, he thought there was no chance that he was ever going to get that axe head again. We looked up there at his reaction. He cried. There was a broken spirit. And then we, he said, alas, master. And that was repentance. I'm so sorry. What have I done? And then we saw it's not even his. He borrowed it. Lord, what is he going to do? 
God performed a miracle and by an unlikely method. I want to say this morning, when you find yourself in that place, I want to tell you that God can make your marriage swim again. God can make the addict swim again. God can take a prostitute and make her swim again. God can take a lost person and make him swim again. God can take your broken finances, even because of your uh, ignorant decisions, He can make your finances swim again. He can make your employment swim again. He can make the backslider swim again. You can't do it. There ain't a soul in this world that can make an iron axe head swim on top of the water. But thank God He can. Thank God He can. We're talking about when we lose our cutting edge this morning. We looked at the reaction. Oh man, I'm doing great. He looked, we looked at the reaction. We looked at the return. We looked at the remedy. And lastly, and I'll be done in just a couple minutes. I want to look at the responsibility. This is key right here, people. Christians, y'all are Christians. Y'all are Sunday school goers. Be proud of yourself. Two-thirds of all the congregations all across this nation are not at Sunday school this morning. You're in that group. You're in the elite. But yet, if you're not careful, you'll lose your cutting edge amidst being in the faithful. We've looked at this reaction, the return, the remedy. Now the most important part, the responsibility. Look at verse 7. Now the iron, the axe head is swimming. And we get to verse 7. Therefore said he, this is Elisha, the man of God. He said, take it up to thee. And he put out his hand and he took it. Pastor, he had to be responsible. There's a lot of people. That the axe head swim. And the axe head is swim all the way up to the side. And it's at the bank. But can they just don't have quite what they need to reach down there and do that? Your axe head might be swimming right by the bank for you. You need to take the responsibility. God might have aligned everything in your life to get you right to the place where He wants you to be so that you can be sharp again, but you've got to be responsible enough, Bobby, to bend it on me and it hurts. I know that's real deep, but it's the truth. Responsibility number one underneath this. Oh, let me tell you something else here. We have Elisha's name in verse 6. But this man who lost his axe head, no name is mentioned. Why do you suppose? Won't you take your pen and write your name right there? Maybe there's no name so that it could be anybody's name. Maybe it could be Terry's name. Maybe it's Bubba's name. Maybe it's David's name. Write your name in here. And therefore Elisha said, Take it up to thee and... Pastor put out his hand and took it. Who's going to be responsible this morning? First of all, underneath responsibility, I want to see the command. The man of God, or God, if you will, we're looking at this as God working in our lives. God said, take it up to thee. I see a command. God's not going to always 
literally open the bottle of water and fill your cup with. We sing the old song, fill my cup, Lord. He might want you to pick that cup up and dip your water. Nothing wrong with that song. That songwriter did an amazing job. What a song. But you know what I'm trying to say. Sometimes we got to take the responsibility to the command. God tells us. God's led everything down there. He said, all right, David, now go react. Be responsible. I've given you all the tools you need. Y'all have all heard the story about the man that was on the rooftop. And the waters rose. And the river was flooding by his house. And the man was praying, oh, God, save me. And the cops came by. It was the sheriff. Hey, we're, them waters are rising. Come get you, your wife, your children. Get in the car. We're going, oh, no, we're going to wait it out. Oh, God, spare us. Number two, somebody else came along in a John boat. Can't drive in here no more. You and your family. Oh, no, we're going to wait it out. But, oh, God, save us from this storm. Thirdly, the helicopter comes and lands on the house. They're all standing on the house. Come, get in the helicopter. Your house is about to be overcome with water. No, we're going to wait it out. God's going to spare us. God told me, said, son, I sent you three down there. I'm about out. You got to be responsible. You got to get in that boat. You got to get in that car. You better get on a helicopter. You'll be responsible to the command. He told him to take it up. That's what he told him in verse 7. Take it up to thee. I see a command. A command to be responsible. Secondly, underneath this point, I want to see the obedience to the to the, the the responsibility, we got to have the obedience to the command. Therefore, he said, "The command, take it up to thee," and he put out his hand. I see obedience here. And then, thirdly, underneath this, I see the acceptance. He took it. He obeyed the command, and then he went down there, and he was obedient. He put out his hand, and then we see the acceptance where he took it. I want to say this. I wish my oldest daughter was in here this morning. Bless her. If Abby were standing on a riverbank and an axe here came swimming towards her on the surface of the water, that child would run 10 miles before she'd ever stop. He didn't look back. It would terrify her. She was scared of the Easter boat. She was scared of Santa Claus. She was afraid of Chuck E. Cheese. When we went to Chuck E. Cheese, we went one time, never went back. She did not want to be around that big old rat. She was scared of things. She was scared of fake Santa Clauses. She was afraid. And she, to this day, she's terrified of things. And if that girl was standing on that bank and an axe had come swimming up over the surface water, she would take off running. You see, this is one of the reasons that a lot of us Christians, the Sunday school goers, end up losing our cutting edge. It's because we're afraid of the miracles that God is trying to work in our life. Because it's different. Hey, no, ain't God going to say that. Well, it's been led right to you if anything. It's been given to you. It was a gift. A lot of people just can't accept it. God may be giving you something in your life and He's running it right up to you. And I understand it's different. And I know that axe heads aren't supposed to swim. And I know they're supposed to see. And I know you never saw that before. But it just might be that God's trying to give you a cutting edge like you have never experienced in your life but you're not willing to accept it. You better accept it. I know it's strange. 
child. Strange. Why? That just might be your accent. Swimming right into your front door. Y'all had one. These things coming out of nowhere. They're swimming axe heads. They're miracles. They're things that God's trying to do in your life. Things that aren't supposed to happen. Things that aren't normal. I get it. Accept it. It's your responsibility. Many would be afraid of the swimming axe heads. The miracles that He's trying to work in your life. I ask you respectfully this morning, have you lost your cutting edge? It's real easy. It's easy to... This, like I said at the beginning, this guy was, he wasn't a bad guy. He wasn't a robber. He wasn't a thief. He wasn't a murderer. This, this was a guy building the house of God. This was a guy that went to the pastor and said, let me build you a larger sanctuary. This ministry is too, too big for this building. Let me do this. And amongst being in the ministry and being right by the man of God and near the Spirit of God every day of his life, yet he lost his cutting edge. And it's real easy to do. I teach to myself. It's easy for me to lose my cutting edge. His reaction, His return, the remedy, the responsibility to accept it and to take it. God help us. Born again believers to accept the miracles. Have you, have you experienced failure in your life? Have you experienced losing the axe head and you think all hope is lost? And then the strangest thing in the world presents itself to you. I don't believe I can do that. Take it. Accept it. God will bless you. God may be trying to work a miracle in your life. He might be working a miracle out in your life. Accept it.